Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello, and welcome to The Hill here on News Nation. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas from all of us here. Uh, to those who are celebrating. It is, of course, the season of giving. It's also the season of consumer spending, I guess you can say, but Americans are still feeling the pressure of inflation. How price spikes are hitting the holidays in places you might not expect. Plus, the change makers of 2023. A look at the major players who are helping steer the focus of conversation right here in our nation's capital. And a look at Christmas decor up on Capitol Hill. Lawmakers have decked the halls, but some office decorations are stirring a little bit of controversy. Hello, and thanks for joining us here on the Hill on this Christmas Day. Again, Merry Christmas to you. I am Blake Berman, joined today by Denise Gitsum, Republican strategist and former aide to President George W. Bush. Dr. Nan Hayworth, former Republican congresswoman from the state of New York. Brad Howard is the former Blue Dog Coalition communications director. And Dan Cannonin a Democratic strategist. But first, today is Christmas, and in the spirit of Christmas, hello to you all. Nice to see you. All in your red. I feel like I'm the Grinch in blue, but (laughs) don't hate me for it. Um, Christmas Day. And so I'm wondering, politically, as we sit here, uh, who should who should Santa be sprinkling some uh, political gifts on for, for what they've done this year? I think the group, state. person, individual, theme, anything. I, I've, got, I've got a theme. I got a state. Don't say Joe Biden or Donald Trump. Let's go beyond that. <laughs> I won't even say Alaska yeah. this time either. Blake. Okay, there you go. Uh, in the state of Minnesota, where okay. I was born, uh, there was a, tri- a trifecta this last election cycle, and a very narrow majority for Democrats in both the House and the Senate there, and a Democratic governor. And they did an incredible job of getting stuff done for Minnesotans. They passed pay, uh, a pay equity. Uh, they passed. Um, paid family leave, they got clean energy done, and a really accomplished session with really good results for people and a very positive outlook on that state. All right. Brad? I would say, uh, you know, I've worked for a member of Congress from Florida and lived there temporarily, and, and Equality Florida is doing a lot of great work in terms of uh, protecting and advancing the rights of LGBTQ plus Americans, uh, particularly in Florida, which is, you know, a battleground kind of representative of the fights we're having all over the country on this issue. And, and, and there's a strong group of committed uh, volunteers there who just do amazing work. And so I certainly think they deserve a gift from Santa this year. Nan? Well, in the spirit of Christmas, I have a Republican <laughs> and a Democrat. All right, there you go. Give it to I us. I hope Santa will give gifts. Uh, one is Scott Pressler 
who is an amazing young gentleman, uh, and, and he is uh, like our Johnny Appleseed. He goes I, I don't know around the, the country. Every every Republican and every American should know who Scott Pressler is. Uh, he's from Virginia. Uh, he happens to be gay. Not that that's the point of the story, but he is a, a, a Republican, a young Republican who knows that voter registration on the ground. We win elections on the ground among the American communities and people and voters. And he has been leading the way okay. in our communities, and he deserves the the nicest gift Santa can give him. And There's your he's just a doll. Republican. And my Democrat okay. is Senator John Fetterman. Hmm. We're going to talk he about is, him coming up. He's, he's been fascinating. Well, the, yeah. great minds think alike. If if I may be so immodest, so yes, <laughs> I mean he is uh, he is unafraid to say things that are heterodox within his party or within his party Senate leadership. And good for him because he is speaking out, I think, really on behalf of uh, Americans who are struggling at the grassroots <laughs> level with uh, the problems of border security. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's been supportive of, uh, of Israel and, uh, you know, of the hostages. Uh, and I think he deserves praise when he does things that are smart and ecumenical. Not, not surprising. Another smart woman over here to my left. I've actually agreed with you 100%. I almost said Senator John Fetterman. You know, I have nothing in common with him in terms of his taste in clothing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw Obviously my, not. No, you like I, the red hoodies, he wears the dark hoodies. Yeah, there's no hoodies going on over here. I did see him at the White House Christmas uh, Congressional Ball, and he was wearing, of course, a hoodie. Yeah. Um, so not a huge fan of his clothing options, but definitely um, he's taken a stand that I think is, has been very unpopular with his progressive base. Mm -hmm. um, so since you took that one, I'll just say one more. I want to give a shout out to all of you congressional staffers that work for yeah. nothing on the Hill. And yet, in spite of one of the most tumultuous times in our history where Congress has an all-time low in terms of approval rating, you guys just keep coming back, giving it your all, and sticking to the script. Like, you're, you're here for a reason, you're getting no glory, and I think you guys are the unsung heroes of Washington, D.C. Right. They, don't, they don't work for nothing. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> just close. Just be clear to the audience. Pretty close. Say, <laughs> uh, starvation wages might be close. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. um, so, obviously pretty... Um, it's a time of the year, you know, you sit back, take some time off, hang out with family, friends, do whatever you want to do. And one of the movies that, just where I am in life and, and watching Home Alone. Yeah. Anybody seen it recently? Yeah. yeah, right? It's like it's on the TV nonstop. Both, Bo both of them, right. Um, there's the, the, one of the famous scenes in Home Alone um, with when Kevin McAllister, he goes to the grocery store, right? There, there's part of it. And, and there's been, you know, we, we were sitting back and thinking, there have been some stories written about this. Okay, what are the cost differences from then to now? And so we, we've looked into it, and so have others. Kevin McAllister's shopping spree back in 1990 was 20 bucks. Here it is right now. Half a gallon of milk, half a gallon of OJ, large white bread, TV dinner, frozen mac and cheese, uh, laundry detergent, a, uh, a wrap, is dryer sheets, toilet paper, and a toy sh soldier. 20 bucks then. Look at the number now. Inflation, 55 bucks it would cost now. Couldn't even make that movie today, Blake. Kevin would have been, <laughs> Kevin would have been calling his parents, of course, on his cell phone. <laughs> That's true. Uh, that, that is true. He would have been having the groceries delivered. That's it. Yeah, well, and then he'd notice that's all. He had 20 bucks, and he'd be like, take them back. I was, I was always shocked when they had the stacks of pizza, and it was like 130 bucks back then. I was like, 130 bucks back then? That's a lot of money now. Um, feeding a family of four right now, by the way, October 1994, $550 now in October of, uh, of this year, 
nearly double it, 975 bucks. Oh, it's so much more brutal when you actually see it in front of you. Like, in numbers are so difficult to actually comprehend, you know? And it's why when we go to gas up, we see the numbers and it, it hits us like a ton of bricks. But, you know, we've, we've been in this era of inflation since last year where we're at 40-year generational highs. And this is going to be the determining issue of who ends up winning the White House. It's going to determine who has control of our government next year. And 78% of Americans are still not feeling great about where we're headed. Um, the whole wrong track, wrong direction, right track poll is working against everyone who's in Washington right now. And I don't think it's going to get any better. If you could guarantee me 975 a month, I would take it. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, speaking of inflation, did your Christmas tree this year seem to take a bigger chunk out of your wallet than usual? If you feel that way, you are not alone. Christmas tree prices are indeed rising, with experts telling Forbes that they expect costs to be uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 15 percent higher compared to last year. Um, so there's that. I'll, I'll let one of you Democrats mm. chime in on, on the inflation, <laughs> but I want to ask you about what kind of tree also. But what would you say to the inflation of all this? I know Democrats have said, you know what, it's, it's coming down, but stories like that and people still feeling it. Yeah, well, we'll, on the tree, most importantly, we have a real tree in the house. Okay. (laughs) It's a a Norway spruce. It's a very nice tree. We're very happy with it. Uh, It was more expensive this year, in all candor. But on the inflation piece, I think Denise is right. This is a big issue. And and people tend to look at this in Washington with these big macroeconomic discussions. We talk about inflation coming down for the last 21 months, which has happened. We talk about core inflation getting to a better place. We talk about the fact that we're now having wages outstrip inflation. That's all good news for the president in the long run, but it's about prices that people pay. And I think the challenge for this administration and for others in Congress is to connect back to what they're doing to affect those prices. Hopefully they keep coming down, actually have some disinflation. That would be wonderful. But there's more than just an economic case that has to be made. It has to be a personal case about people and how they consume the things that matter in their lives. So the, the important indicators, we're starting to see consumer confidence tick up. Yep. The last economic report saw an uptick in consumer confidence, which means consumers are starting to notice, but to the point of everyone in this panel, mm. how much is right. the big question, and that's what will be determined in November. Uh, eight out of ten people people favor artificial trees this year to real ones. You said you got Norway spruce. I think that's the tree at the, at the Capitol, by the way. We'll get into that in a second. It's not that big. It's not that big. Yours isn't that big. Fair. I have, I've had severe allergies since a kid, so my family has been forced to, to do an artificial tree since I was four. You're allergic to Christmas tree? Anything that slowly dies oh, and releases spores. Goodness. I'm oh, allergic to it. Right. Interesting. Learn something new every day. What do the Haywards have? Um, we ha- we do have an artificial tree yeah. that it's easier uh, yeah. that way, right? You use yeah. it year after year, it costs oh, less. Too. Absolutely, and we had my family, uh, my you know, my parents and I had the original Charlie Brown's Christmas okay. tree because I was mm. born, uh, came home at, on Christmas Eve, nineteen fifty nine, <laughs> and they got the last tree that Marshall Fields had. And, <laughs> and <the little> tree. <laughs> um, but uh, but I do think the other thing is I can't stand the, the living things going to waste. And, you know, <laughs> think of a tree going to waste and just ooh, yeah. All right, I'm not that sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> Roll with it. Uh, meantime, by the way, we are, of course, uh, a week away until the new year. And as we head into 2024, we want to recognize now uh, those who have made their mark here in Washington and beyond. Heard a, heard a little bit here at the top of the show. Our friends over at the Hill, though, have shared its inaugural list of change makers featuring 23 people who helped shape the course of important dialogue in 2023 in our nation's capital and elsewhere. Joining us now, Judy Kurt. She is, of course, the Hills in the Know columnist. Uh, worked on this project as well. Hello, Judy. Merry Christmas to you and yours as well. Happy holidays. Um, I, I know John Fetterman is on this list, so let's start there. We we were talking about him. Um, 
He, he's been a, a fascinating guy. We're not going to get to all 23 here. Uh, but what about John Fetterman, uh, the senator from Pennsylvania, from your perspective? Yeah, absolutely. And happy holidays to you too, Blake. Betterman, I think, is one of the ultimate change makers on this list. We were looking for folks who made an impact this year. And John Fetterman was certainly part of the conversation, helped drive the conversation at the Capitol, but also across the country. You know, he really opened up this year about his own mental health struggles, uh, his personal battle with depression. He was open about being hospitalized with depression yeah. following his stroke during his Senate bid last year. And that's a big it's deal. Be- it's be- Especially on the clothes, the right, Judy? Where- like, like he was obviously in the news for the whole can you wear the hoodie on the Senate floor. Um, and, and that was part of the conversation for several weeks. But, but it goes beyond that. It absolutely goes beyond that. But that is a part of it, too, that sartorial scandal, as we like to call it, uh, where the Senate rules were actually changed in part to accommodate his uh, sweatsuit style. I almost wore a Santa sweatsuit (laughs) as a nod to uh, John Fetterman. So he's changed the conversation about style. But more importantly, on a deeper level, he also changed the conversation about mental health. Yeah, uh, so that's a Democratic senator. You also uh, named a Republican senator, other side of the aisle. This one got my attention, too. Why Katie Britt from, uh, from the state of Alabama? Yeah, a Republican out of Alabama. Katie Britt really made a splash as soon as she entered the Senate. She's actually the first woman elected uh, from the state of Alabama to the Senate. Uh, There had been two women previously in the Senate from Alabama, but they were appointed to those positions, served less than a year. So she is a historic uh, figure in Congress. Uh, She's also the only... uh, mom of two, a Republican woman in the Senate of uh, school-aged children. So she brings a unique perspective to the Senate from that role. She was appointed to the Senate Appropriations Committee, uh, a big deal uh, in the Senate, a very powerful position. And I think she's really a fresh face, a rising star of the Republican Party. I'm not a betting woman. I'm not big in Vegas. But if I were to be (laughs) betting, I would bet on her, uh, hearing a lot from her in the the next uh, coming months and coming years. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Lastly, I I said there were 23, but we'll focus on three. We'll drop the two. Uh, Deborah Lipstadt, tell me about her. Yes. Deborah Lipset is the State Department's envoy uh, focused on anti-Semitism and um, and combating it and monitoring it. She was appointed that position last year, but this year, unfortunately, um, has really been critical because of the meteoric rise of anti-Semitic incidents across the, the country, across the world. Um, she's helped to combat it. Uh, the White House released a report on anti-Semitism earlier this year, a first of its kind, and she's helped shape the um, the way that they're handling anti-Semitism in the country. Hmm. All right. Uh, Got to leave it there. Judy Kurtz, fascinating list. Great read as well. Thank you for the time. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Blake. Happy holidays. Yep. You got it. I, as Judy was sitting there uh, going through that, I was thinking to myself, those three maybe would have had Fetterman on the list, the other two at the start of the year. The other two probably not. And it just goes to show, like, what comes in 2024? But I, I don't know. Like, if you know, please let me know. But I do think the theme throughout all of these, are, these are authentic people. 
Mm. Like, I mean, Katie Britt is a mama too, bringing incredible real life experience and authenticity to the way she legislates. John Fetterman is taking his personal struggles and, and his true beliefs in legislating with them. I think too many people are tired of elected officials, you know, but no, that's right. Them. Huh? Doing just the company line, the political yeah, line. Like, Where's the wind going? I'll right. follow. Right. Like, they're leading from okay. their life experiences, and I think that's why they're making so much. Fair enough. All right. Well, coming up, it is one of the most popular Christmas parties at the Capitol. This is amazing. Have you heard about this story? The line is out the door. It is so popular. That is the congressman right there, yet it is only 16 minutes long. That's right. Last year it was 15, and they said, you know what? We can't do it all in 15, so we got to make it 16. Why and who the congressman is behind it? We'll explain coming up after the break. You're watching The Hill here on News Nation. Christmas. So uh, you might have gone through the, you know, office holiday parties earlier this month. Congressman Tim Burchett has what you could say might be the best solution for any kind of office party. He's a Tennessee Republican. He hosts the fastest holiday party in Congress, maybe anywhere. However, this year he took his Christmas party festivities from a brief 15 minutes to an impressive, you ready for this? 16 minutes. <laughs> Whoa. It is the second annual rapid fire party. Uh, it featured cheese whiz charcuterie. Congressman Jared Moskowitz, other side of the aisle. Uh, he's a Democrat. He played Santa. And members of the House from both sides of the political aisle. <laughs> Why does that make you laugh? It's, like, it's, it's, funny. <laughs> it's funny, right? Um, so, I, I mean, man, all these, these members of Congress, th- this idea is genius. What was your office party like? Because Absolutely. nobody wants to hang for like two hours at the congressional office party, That's, or do they? I don't no, know. No, they're trying you're, to lobby you're, you? Well, like, let's face I mean, John uh, Boehner used to say, Speaker Boehner, uh, you know, anything happening at the Capitol Hill Club after about 6 p.m., it's like, you don't want to. <laughs> so, yeah, we took that seriously. And let's face it, every day in our office was, uh, was a, a, a joyous day. So we didn't actually have a formal holiday party, but this is a genius idea, and uh, I know I would have embraced it had I been here. So here's what he says. Uh, the congressman uh, was, was asked about it, or at least talking about it. And here's Congressman Tim Burch. And he said, quote, you're sitting there drinking some watered down drink and some crappy hors d'oeuvres that probably were frozen <laughs> from last year's Christmas party. And you're stuck there talking to somebody with wine breath and you can't get away from them. I mean, who likes wine breath? I mean, I think I think I don't know uh, that he's upping the ante when it comes to cheese with charcuterie, <laughs> but this is like every introvert's dream, right? It like, is every get introvert's in, dream. Get out. And scarcity breeds demand and desire, right? So everyone wants to go because it's only lasting for 16 minutes. And how many folks want to go because it's, like, are there lobbyists at these things? Like, who? You do, like, so a lot of offices do, like, a staff holiday party. Dan's nodding, yes, Uh, yes, there are. just the internal (laughs) staff. But the the real concern here is you never want the congressional staff holiday party to get too out of control. Yeah. (laughs) Then we don't have to worry about any fallout and you're good. No OD on the cheese list. Push them out, lock the door, you know, let the, What I want to know is what are the songs they pick? They get 16 minutes. Good question. Big debate, I'm sure. 34 minutes a song, so yeah, you get. Yeah. Uh, I someone, wisely. The flight of the bumblebee. Is there live music at this thing? I think I there's saw, some, someone might have even been playing, they, right? They played bluegrass. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Oh Genius idea. So good. Maybe the congressional idea of the year. I'm not sure uh, you'd get anyone to <laughs> argue against that. Well, we can short the preparations process. <laughs> there you go. Uh, by the way, did you see this? Members of Congress uh, getting in the holiday spirit as well, taking. A decorating contest to a whole new level, but some members are stirring controversy with politically driven Shocking. decorations. 
Here's Mike Collins, uh, congressman from Georgia, made a bold statement with his office <laughs> decorations. That, of course, is Hunter Biden with the caption, That's funny. Let it snow. <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, and added the college football playoff committee to his naughty list. The congressman, uh, Eli Crane of Arizona, had signs on his office door saying, Have documents ready and Border Patrol elves only. Well, Good taste, bad taste. Like, I you got mean, any issue with the funny or? You got to be careful, right? Like, you can't always be driving a political conversation or a point home. It's Christmas, for goodness sake. I mean, I, I, I do think the Let It Snow one was really funny. Oh, I think, so, so, I, that one's funny. so don't Come do on, it, but when it's, it's against Hunter Biden, well, no, no, it's no. funny. I would think it was funny if it was on the other side. Like, that one's just cute. It's funny. It's very tongue in cheek. But how, talking about, like, issues that are so personal to people, like immigration and just Border Patrol, that just seems a little heavy. You've just got to have a little, I don't know. Finer, I don't finer taste or tune. Maybe it, it's some what? kind of Christmas check, check. It reminds me of the quote of uh, "I'm shocked to discover gambling in these halls." There's a comedian who talked about like the, the offending the audience thing, and, and his line is, "If I if I couldn't tell the joke in front of the person the joke is about." Right. That it's not a good joke to tell. Oh, that's a good. And so I think that applies to this kind test. of stuff. If you, yeah. couldn't, if you couldn't do this in front of someone who's being poked fun at, then oh, for sure. not at Christmas. What were the, what were the Hayworth uh, holiday cards like during the congressional years? Uh, it, pretty pretty boring, actually. <laughs> boring is good in that sense, yeah, right? No, it was, you know, it, we well, honestly, it, our, our session of Congress, you know, being the new Republican majority after year, you know, good couple seasons of not, um, was so intense. And that, that Christmas, 2011 to 2012, I was on the committee negotiating with the Senate, the joint uh, committee, trying to pass uh, legislature to continue Medicare uh, payments into the new year. So I didn't, you know, Christmas just kind of came and went. I honestly did. We were right. working on Christmas. Um, so, you know, honored to have done so. This is, uh, it's amazing. When you're not passing legislation, it's amazing how much time you're spending. <laughs> they went home. Like, like, the house went home. There's nothing yeah. to yeah, do Yeah, the house Congress. went home December 14th. The Senate, like, of, I don't know, a handful or so days yeah. after them. They got yeah, their break. There you go. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, coming up. Students across the U.S. are on winter break, but some might not have the meals they need. Up next, I'll talk with the organizer of a holiday food drive that is reaching hundreds of families. It is a great story and how you can help. We're back in a few here on The Hill on News Nation. Back here to The Hill on News Nation. Merry Christmas to you at home, you and your family. Uh, as well as kids are home for the holidays, of course. No, no school right now. There's the expectation of good food and holiday cheer, but that is not the case for every student, not even close. In Gainesville, Florida, a school district there in Alachua County is trying to address kids going hungry during the holiday food break, or during the holiday break with a food drive. Check out this uh, headline there in one of the local newspapers. Quote, some Alachua County kids go hungry when school's out for holiday break. You can help them. Joining us now is the organizer of that food drive, Kelly Costomo, who saw a need and decided to jump in and do something about it. Kelly, nice to speak to you. Appreciate the time. First off, great job and good on you. Explain to us what you're doing there uh, in the Gainesville, Florida area. We're trying to help um, our schools and families uh, get the food that they need over winter break. Um, Our students are... um, you know, receive free breakfast and lunch at school. And so this is a way during break for them to uh, get some added support uh, at their house. So, yeah, I'm not, you, you know, I'm the, I'm the parent of young kids who 
go go to school, go to public school. And, you know, I'm not sure most folks around the country realize the need for so many children when they show up at school, not only to, for lunch, but for breakfast as well. Right. So lots of our school students um, eat breakfast and lunch at school. And they also uh, some of our kids get snack as well. So when there's a long extended break, uh, you know, that's a time when they're not um, able to access that food. And so we're just trying to provide um, what we can to the families that we're able to support. And how are you doing that? How are you reaching out in the community? What's, what's that process like? So we partner with um, Food for Kids, which is a local weekend backpack project, and um, they serve um, about 700 families in our area and provide backpack um, um, for the weekends for uh, their families. And then we also have another um, backpack program, Catholic Charities, that works with some of our kids. And so that's 900 families um, that usually receive weekend support. And so we try to um, get food boxes together for them um, to send home with them for winter break. And so we use um, a lot of support and schools and yeah. uh, families to help us with that. I wonder what the emotion is for you. Like, is it, I got to imagine there's um, a bit of pride, um, you know, that, that you're able to jump, jump in and, and do something like this. But I also have to imagine there's a little bit of, of, of hurt and concern as well when you see this with children. Well, sure. You want for um, for kids to have something to eat um, when uh, they're not uh, at school. I mean, I think everybody feels, um, uh, you know, a pain when you think that there will be uh, kids with not enough uh, food. So our whole community pulls together and uh, really supports this project. We've collected over 4,000 pounds of food. Our schools mm. assembled 66 boxes on their own um, to help support kids at their schools and kids at other schools. Um so, yeah, we are really proud of this project and really proud that we're able to serve so many families. And, and, and just lastly, uh, Kelly, USDA, 13% of U.S. households were food insecure at some point in 2022. That's one in seven, one in eight, give or take. I, I wonder what you see there in north central Florida. Has, has, have things gotten better on that front? Have they gotten worse? So I think in our area, the number is a little bit higher. Um, and I think there are people, more people reaching out, um, asking, um, for food at this particular time. But we've had this project, um, on my, for close to 20 years. And it's about the same number of, of people that we're able to serve. But we would, of course, love to be able to serve more if we could. The website or any information where people can go to help out if they, if they see this and, and would like to is. Sure. We're, we take donations through the Education Foundation at Alachua County, and you designate the Emergency Food uh, food Box Project if you'd like to help support. Kelly Costomo, uh, thank you so much for the time. Uh, Merry Christmas. And again, uh, fantastic work that you're doing there. Also to you, too. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Um, you know, there's a, a lot to think about at, at this time of year. This is obviously one of them when you see children children and food insecurity, you, you look at the numbers, but it is still a massive problem in this country. 44 million people lived in food insecure households in 2022, says the USDA. And, and 13 million children. Um, yep. It's a terrible problem. And I think hats off to this, this effort. 900 you know, families is not anywhere near enough against 13 million and 44 million, but that's a really healthy chunk of people you're taking care of. It's, it's kudos to them. I, I'm just struck Blake, by educators, people that work in schools and with <laughs> schools, they give all year round, yep. and I think people forget how much schools matter to a child's 
overall health. It's, it's, it's a place where it's warm when it's cold. It's a place to get out of the heat when it's yep. hot. It's a place to get a warm meal and it prepares you for life. And we owe them a lot of things. You were here on our Thanksgiving show when we went around and said what we're thankful for. I was like, teachers, thank you so much. Well, and, and I think it's important to consider food is, is essential to a child's education development yes. as textbooks and pencils <laughs> are. Like, if they can't eat, if they're hungry, they're not focusing. And I think, too, the important point Important thing to point out here, this is not a government agency. This right. is not an ex- government directive. This is an, a, a, an average citizen stepping up where she sees a need and acting, and I, I hope more folks can, we can all do that in our communities. All right. Well, many of you uh, watching, uh, watching or listening to this show may be with the family for holidays. Hope you are. And there's a good chance that politics either came up in the conversation or you're dreading that it will not at some point uh, here throughout the day or throughout the week. Friend of the show, panelist Denise Gitsum has some thoughts about how to navigate talking about politics with others. Also has a new book out. Show it to the people. Oh, yeah. There you go. Well, it's on the screen, but there you, you know, go. I've always got a Politics for people who hate <laughs> politics. Talk to me about it. Like, so we're all sitting around the table. I mean, we're friends yeah. here. And so, like, we... We know how to do this thing, but <laughs> when you're at home and you're most talking... Most of the time. Most of the time. How to navigate it, I should yes. say. How do you navigate it? Well, I don't always do it properly, and that's why I wrote <laughs> this book. This book really is um, my 20-plus years in politics. Many of the mistakes, but not even close to all of them, are listed in here as how it was more divisive than uniting in the way that I engaged in politics. And I believe that the greatest threat to our country is not China or Hamas or anything external, but how we treat each other and how well we show up for each other. Unity is the core. It's the more perfect union that our founding fathers established and had us reach towards as the goal. And I think that needs to become, once again, our goal as Americans if we want to survive all the challenges that lie ahead. So tell me, how do I talk about politics? So I think, you know, we're talking about the holidays, this Christmas (laughs) day. Right, this holiday season. Right. And, you know, everyone knows there's that one person who's coming that you're like, oh, gosh, Uncle (laughs) So-and-so is showing up. Right. And I would just say there's three little tips that I would just offer to everyone who's navigating this. One, I would establish at the outset what it is that we really want to achieve from this conversation. You know, politics are going to come and go, but your relationships, your family and your friends, they're forever. And so hold on to what's really important and let the things that you're never going to change, you can talk to your blue in the face, you're never going to change people's minds on closely held things. So that's the first thing. Establish that unity is your goal, regardless of where you go with the conversation. Second, I think that you have to engage in humility. You know, all of us think on this panel, we all think that we have the truth, right? But the reality is we also know that we only have a perspective of the truth. Humility is easy to do. Everybody does it, right? Especially me. Exactly. We're the best at it. But the reality is that we're not, right? None of us are. And when we get entrenched and we get fighting mode, we can't do it. It's impossible. So I think be curious. Ask why people are feeling the way they do about what they do. And you'll learn something. And the third thing I'd just say is to speak the truth in love. This is a biblical principle that, that I am required, I'm held to as a Christian. But I would say whether you're a person of faith or no faith or, or you just, you know, whatever, you want to be a happier person. If you speak hard truths with love, my, my sort of rule of thumb is the harder the truth, the greater the love. Hmm. All right. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Congresswoman, you would tell folks what? Uh, I, 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 Here, I, only you can borrow it. Denise, <laughs> book, but I, I agree with you, Denise. Yes. Love and respect. Yes, uh, so respect much. Respect the intelligence of your audience, whatever 
your differences may be, uh, your communication will always be more meaningful and more effective uh, if you can meet people where they are and and from a position of ecumenism. So during one of the breaks, uh, Nan wanted to tee off on energy policy. She was like, nope, not today. I'm not going to do it today. (laughs) Not like getting in on like energy policy and Biden. But you know, now that you bring it up, Blake, I I would say, look, my, my dad is a Trump supporter. I'm obviously a Biden supporter. My mom is Switzerland. Love your I just think at the end of the day, none of us, I mean, very few of us yeah. are exactly where we are today in our political beliefs as we were 10 years ago or 20 That's years right. ago. Mm-hmm. And the thing I like to remember is I've thought differently about all this stuff sure. from time to time. So give yourself and your family the grace to say this yes. is a conversation in this moment for now, not forever. That's right? so smart. And you're there, you're there because of love. We'll leave it on that and not energy policy. (laughs) Coming up. (laughs) Coming up. It is a time of healing, connecting, and making memories as well. How one actor, one of the best to ever do it, Gary Sinise, is honoring families of fallen veterans for the holidays. We will talk with Gary Sinise on the other side of the break. You're watching The Hill here on News Nation. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Year, uh, a group of families make a very, very special trip to Disney World. They are the spouses and kids of our nation's fallen military heroes. It's all put together by the Gary Sinise Foundation, founded by, as of course you might know, the actor and Hollywood star. Now, the group sponsors this trip, calling it the Snowball Express. Each one of those flags represents another family who's going through the same thing that we are. It was really nice to, to know that we're not alone. I'm forever grateful. We are too. You are too. Yes. <laughs> this year, some 1,800 adults and their kids made the trek to Disney World for a five-day, all-expenses-paid journey. Gary Sinise joins us now to talk about this effort. Gary, thank you for being back here on the Hill. Appreciate it. Um, it is always great to talk to you. Um, and around these stories, th- th- this effort is incredible. I sort of laid some of it out there, but from your perspective, tell me about it. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, thank you for having me. It's a, it's a beautiful event. It's one of, one of our initiatives uh, at the Gary Sinise Foundation. We have multiple programs in many different spaces supporting our military families, our active duty, our veterans, our first responders, Gold Star families, our wounded, lots of different things going on at the Gary Sinise Foundation. And this was actually an event that took place in 2006. It was started out at Disneyland Hmm. uh, by a group out there in uh, the Southern California area. American Airlines got involved very early on. I got involved um, in 2007, so right after it started. And then uh, we moved it to... uh, Dallas, because that's where American Airlines is based, and they were a big, big presenting sponsor. Uh, And then we wanted to move it to uh, Orlando, to Disney World, and we brought it in to the Gary Sinise Foundation as one of our initiatives under our 
relief and resiliency program uh, focused on Gold Star families. This year, we expanded the event uh, to deal with uh, families of fallen first responder heroes. And so we brought, wow. we did two of them. We did one for military kids. And then the following week, we, we brought 350 families of fallen first responders to Disney World. It's a big, big, gigantic wow. effort. Uh, lots of volunteers joining in, many corporate sponsors. Of course, I mentioned American Airlines, who provides all the travel. And then all wow. the donors who go to the Gary Sinise Foundation website, they all help us. So this is a big American effort to support our, our uh, families of fallen defenders. What do the, what do the, the kids get out of it, and, and what do the parents get out of it, too? From, from the very beginning, I, I, uh, I, I didn't know what to expect in 2007 when I, uh, I volunteered to bring my band and donate my band to play for the kids. I walked out on stage. I saw all these kids with T-shirts uh, with their fallen father or mother's picture on the front or buttons. And it really just uh, it broke my heart, but it warmed my heart as well to see all the kids just jumping up and down and having a good time. And that's part that's part of what it is. It's a it's a very healing event because we bring these families together and many of them don't know each other. They don't know that there's so many other families that are going through the same thing. And when they come yeah. to our and at Disney World, they see thousands of kids. I mean, over a thousand kids and families all joining together uh, to have a good time and to help each other through their grief. It's really a, it's really a team effort. It's a beautiful, beautiful event. One of the great things that we do at the Gary Sinise Foundation. Yeah, I mean, five days there, you know, obviously putting a, a, a group of people like this who are going through the exact same thing. Um, what are some of those, the, the bonds that they end up, you know, forming over the course of that week and beyond? Yeah, well, these kids are from all over the country. Some of them have been coming for a while. They wow. know what to expect. But every year, unfortunately, we have new families that have just lost a loved one or, uh, you know, so, something has happened through either, uh, you know, a, a training accident or uh, lost in military service overseas. Unfortunately, we have many that have taken their own lives and these children are left behind and we want them to know that they're not alone. And we bring them together to, to put our arms around them, wrap our arms around them, make sure they know that we love them. Uh, I play a concert for them every year. I've been doing it for, gosh, 17 years now. Uh, cool. It's a privilege to be able to do that for the children of our fallen heroes and, and to let them know that there's so many people in America that do not forget them. Yeah. Um, if, if anyone wants to donate, how can they do it? You can go to GarySiniseFoundation.org. You can designate your, your donation to any one of our programs out there. Snowball Express is just one of the things we do. Or you can just give a general donation, and, we make, and we'll make sure that it goes to the right place. We have many, many programs in multiple spaces we're doing uh, throughout the year all over the country. Gary Sinise, uh, got to leave it there. As I mentioned, it is always uh, great to talk to you and to learn about what you are doing. It's, it's incredible work. Um, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you, sir. And Merry Christmas to you, too. Thank you. You got it. Gary Sinise, thank you so much. Uh, obviously, he is a remarkable actor, uh, one of the main characters in one of the greatest movies of all time, I would say, uh, with Forrest Gump. But I, I think to his credit, more people now might know him for the charity work that he does than, than the Forrest Gump and other roles. Yes. When we think about 
this is the season of gratitude, you know, starts with Thanksgiving, but extends right through. When we think about what makes this country one in which we are so blessed to live with mm. each other, uh, it's people like Gary Sinise mm. who exemplify that spirit. And I think when we talk about sacrifice, you know, we often refer to the service member, but the family sacrifice mm. as well, either so in their much. absence or when they come home or when they pass in the line of duty. And, you know, my grandfather was a veteran. We lost him this year. That was hard. I can't imagine being their age yeah. right. having to face that. No. Two, two of my dear friends gave significant contributions to the Gary Sinise Foundation mm. when my dad passed in July. And um, it seeing, watching that video, if you have a chance to go watch the Snowball Express video, it is... It will literally bring you to tears. And just seeing what they do to help so many families get through the holidays, which is such a hard time for my family, just losing my mm -hmm. dad, you know? It just, I can't imagine what it would be like to lose a family member prematurely, mm -hmm. but seeing that they bring such joy is really makes me happy to know that their money went to such a good you know, effort. All right, well, 2023, of course, coming to a close, which means it's time to start looking for a new calendar. And this year, the TSA has you covered. Maybe. The administration is releasing its 2024 canine calendar, and uh, it deserves a round of, you could say, a pause. <laughs> the dad uh, jokes are in full effect. They make you wait in long lines to get the calendar. So this is, uh, yeah, I hope you don't have to wait in the long lines to get the calendar. But the dogs that you see in the airports when you're standing in line, so hopefully cute. the five-minute line and not the 50-minute line. Uh, but there they are. Say hello to Erica. Well, Erica, they're just nice gorgeous. Just gorgeous, just gorgeous. TSA canine calendar by the way. All right, coming up. Congress is on break, as you might know, but there is something working overtime up on Capitol Hill. The Christmas tree. It's become a major part of the holidays here in our nation's capital. Uh, capital. So where did that come from and, wh and what's the story behind it? We're, right, we're back right after the break here on the Hill. Stay with us. Well, would you look at that? Part of the magic uh, of celebrating the holidays here in our nation's capital is being able to take in the beautiful decorations around town, especially the Christmas trees. Congress's tree, known as the People's Tree, uh, is displayed on the U.S. Capitol's West Lawn. That's sort of like the main front of the Capitol. Uh, a different national forest provides the tree each year, by the way. Now, this year's tree, you can see it there, a 63-foot Norway spruce from West Virginia's uh, Monaga, how do I say this? Monongahela. <laughs> there we no go. National Forest. Uh, it is decorated with handmade ornaments made by the Shawnee tribe, as well uh, as people from across West Virginia. And then there's a national Christmas tree uh, from West Virginia as well. It also is a Norway spruce, stands 40 feet high. It's on display on the ellipse. So that's basically like the area between the back of the White House and the Washington Monument. The tradition of lighting a national tree began more than a hundred years ago, 1923. These things, hard to pronounce maybe, uh, but <laughs> they're beautiful to see. They're, they they're, they're super cool. Oh, yeah. When I was a White House staffer, we always parked on the ellipse, so that was such an exciting time when to, they would put up the tree and there was something to look at when you're walking into work. You know? To be able to see them. Anyone gone and check them out this year? Oh, yeah. When they're yeah. not being blown down. <laughs> so, by the way, Which I'm one was blown down? The White, the White, House. The White House one, yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. so they, they put it up, no and then there was, like, there. a terrible no wind that day, and it went... <laughs> yes. yeah. 
Yeah. Sorry, go on. Uh, uh, I would just yeah. say we as a staff would always gather uh, in the office and take some hot cocoa and cider and go down and watch the, the lighting of the tree. And it's just a really cool experience and one of the last few things in D.C. that are not political or partisan. <laughs> yeah. So that's always a nice little At least for now. At least for now. <laughs> <laughs> the, the tree is cool. At our house, we have to figure out how to get the tree plugged in and, and <laughs> every night because you have to wake up in the morning with that like soft glow of the yeah. tree. Yeah. Yeah. Like Swiss Am. You can that's, put it on a timer. You can't put it on a timer. That's yeah, my dad used to do that. <laughs> Mine's controlled by Alexa. There you go. <laughs> that, that's go. next level. So all right, so before we go, we want to wish you a very happy holidays. Merry Christmas from all of us here at The Hill on News Nation. Of course, thank you for watching from all of us here. And a special thank you, by the way, to our team. It's not just me. I can assure you of that. I think there's like 15 on our, on our whole team. And here they are. A look at our team uh, celebrating the holidays. We had this office party uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe a week or so ago. You can see the great folks who put on this show each and every day. Thank you to them, and thank you to you here at home. That's our New York crew, by the way. You see Joe in the middle there? He's the one that's talking in my ear. So whenever if I say, Joe, what'd you say? That's Joe. Joe's telling me I gotta go. We'll be back here tomorrow, 5 o'clock Eastern. Have a great Christmas. Elizabeth Vargas Report starts now. Good evening. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas to you. We're so glad you're with us. Welcome to Elizabeth Vargas Reports. I'm Natasha Zuvest in for Elizabeth tonight. Now, Christmas is a time for giving. And tonight, New York Democratic Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is receiving a lot of backlash over a holiday message comparing Palestinians to Jesus Christ. Now, this is a post on Instagram, AOC writing, quote, in the story of Christmas, Christ was born in modern day Palestine under the threat of a government engaged in a massacre of innocence. She says that Jesus was targeted and goes on to say that thousands of years later, right-wing forces are violently occupying Bethlehem as similar stories unfold for today's Palestinians. The Post makes no mention of Hamas, the hostages, or the victims of the October 7th attacks. 